Slandering or being slandered is never far away from us. Proverbs is very much to the point when it says in Proverbs 10 verse 18, He that hideth hatred with lying lips and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. As mentioned in that proverb, slandering and defaming someone's character is a spoken sin. It was James in his letter that clearly spelled out how the tongue, though a little member in the human body, is as a fire. It can kindle a great fire, very harmful fire. He went on to say in chapter 3 verse 9 that with the same tongue and with speech, we can both bless God and curse men, men who are made in the similitude or the image or likeness of God. And so surely we should stand with James when he said, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. But tragically, these things are so. These things do happen. We can either be guilty of slander ourselves or we can become the victim of slander against our name. Now, it is abundantly clear that the Bible condemns the usage of words to form false statements that damage another's character and reputation. Under this category, we, we also include gossip and hearsay, and as Psalm 15 verse 3 says, backbiting. But our response today and our question is, what does the, the Christian do when their name is slandered? How, how do we react? How do we respond biblically? Well, first of all, there is a, a clear difference between slander that is made against you and occasions when there are clear examples of fault or sin between one believer and another. For example, we know that our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 18 taught that if uh, your brother trespasses against you, that the first step is one one-to-one approach. You know, the, the attempt of being reconciled one to the other before anything else takes place, before the need to go to the church and discipline and so on. But slander is of an, another nature. It's still sin, but a different nature. If it's constant, if it's persistent, well, the same approach may be needed as we read there in Matthew 18. But more often than not, if our name is falsely accused, another approach is required. Uh, so that brings us to our second thought, where we must look to how our Lord Jesus responded when he was slandered. None was subject to as much false accusation than our Lord Jesus Christ. Always remember that, dear Christian. These words followed him all the days of his glorious earthly ministry, whether he was sneered at for being a Nazarene, or whether his own words were taken out of context and used against him, it became part of his own humiliation. And in fact, in Isaiah chapter 53, this was prophesied of our Saviour, where Isaiah says he was oppressed, he was afflicted. And then we read, yet he opened not his mouth. When it came to the unjust trial of our Lord Jesus and his eventual crucifixion, well, we read of Pilate's questioning. And in Matthew 27, 12, and when he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, the Bible says he that is Christ answered nothing. Not that he had nothing to say or could not say anything or did not on occasion say thing, but more often not when false witnesses rose up against him. There was no response. There was a silence. And Proverbs 15 uh, verse 1 reveals that a soft answer turneth away wrath and grievous words stir up anger, but oftentimes no answer is uh, the course of action that we must take. When we respond out of hurt, we often respond in a way that tends to feed oil into the fire, turning the other cheek, not allowing the slander to stir up feelings of bitterness within us. 
is generally the best course of action. And then we should also think about this. We should commit them in our ways to him who judges righteously. The Apostle Peter touched on the example of Christ when he said of the Saviour who, that is Jesus, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Uh, possibly the, the two most difficult challenges that we face when we're subject to slander is holding back from responding to slander in a hostile manner and then knowing what to do with the pain that we suffer as a result. Now I want to be clear I'm not saying that if someone speaks against you face to face that you you never speak up but rather we must guard against reviling that is not using harsh words in return. That's what our Saviour did. And then when we're left alone with our thoughts, and that could be the hardest part of the battle, we might be able to be silent and not resist, but inwardly, as we go to pray, well, we're, we're riddled with feelings. We can't get this out of our system. What do we do? We're left alone with our thoughts and we're so grieved. There is a course of action. It's biblical. Peter says that of our Saviour, he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He had the understanding of the nature of God. And when we understand God's own righteousness, that vengeance belongs to him, all these things belong to him, we commit and we bring all of our ways and these matters to God. Why? Because he will always judge righteously. He knows the slanderer and the slander. He weighs the gossiper and the gossip. Psalm 37 and verses 5 and 6 that urges the believer to commit our ways to the Lord. But dear friend, that includes ways whereby we're grieved through slander. Verse 6 in that psalm, he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Uh, that is, if you're subject to such false works, it is God who ultimately protects and vindicates our name. Vengeance is always his, as I said, and not ours. And then lastly, we must remember that in responding in this manner, you are mimicking the very mind and life of our great and wonderful Saviour. Often the most time reviling will come your way from those who are not saved. can happen from Christians, and that's the most terrible thing when it happens. But it often comes from the direction of those who are not saved. Your name may well be slandered because of what you believe, because of your Christianity and your faith in Christ. Our response in this matter is to be so unlike the world's approach to things. Again, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 11, Blessed are ye. That's almost incomprehensible. Happy are ye, but I don't feel happy. But the Lord is not talking about subjective feelings. He's talking about your condition and your state that is in Christ. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. That's the key. For my sake, that's the other key. Why blessed? Why can you rejoice and be glad, as he goes on to say? It's for his sake, the gospel's sake. It's the way of our master, the way of the prophets which they walked, and so must we. It is the cross before the crown, Christian. And so often the cross is comprised of harsh words spoken against your faith in Christ. But when the crown comes, it comes with a greater word, a word of truth whereby the Saviour says of his people, redeemed by precious blood, well done, thou good and faithful servant.